I can do it. I know how to curate things. I was a radio DJ and how to curate music. I work in the archives and how to curate records. The right. world is just take the same lessons from that and apply it, and apply it to this thing. This is part two of my conversation with Andrew. If you didn't listen to the first part, then I recommend listening to that first. And because this is a two-part conversation, it doesn't start in the usual way. So the introduction to who Andrew is and his answers to the first two questions were in part one. Part two picks up with us talking about podcasting which is something that I wanted to get round to talking to Andrew about in his first appearance on Getting Better Acquainted and also in part one of our second conversation. I do want to flag up the second half of this conversation that I'm going to play. I've split it up with an advert for my book Mansplaining Masculinity which I am crowdfunding for with Unbound so here's another reminder that I would love you to pre-order a copy of that book to help make it happen and you can find out more about that at mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk or at unbound.com forward slash mansplaining hyphen masculinity and that advert isn't just there to try and prompt you to buy my book it is also there to give you a signal that after that advert is played we go on to talk about me too in general and issues around kind of sexual assault and rape and things like that i wanted to flag that up for two reasons firstly you might not want to listen to that if uh Those are issues that you don't want to listen to today. And so I wanted to give you a really clear indication when that was coming up and then you can stop listening there. Although I wouldn't say we get into particularly graphic descriptions or anything like that, but we do talk a lot around the subject. And that's the second reason why I wanted to flag it up. This might not be a a week that you want to hear two men talking about me too and what that means to them and their thoughts and opinions around it which is not to say that we aren't both broadly in support of the me too movement absolutely i would say both of us are i can't fully speak for andrew but i'm sure that he would agree with me that the resurgence of the me too movement that was started by tarana burke in 2006 and uh, began to be talked about again because of hollywood actors is a really important thing so you shouldn't expect that we're going to be dismissing it But we get into the nuances around it. Systemic healing as well as interpersonal healings, which are all important. Keyword is there has to be a systemic healing and shifting. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together. I need to get better. Please make me better. I want to get better. Better. Better acquainted with you. But I never actually talked to you about your history of making podcasts. Right. I must have heard you back in the day because I did listen to Podcast Squared, I think, a couple of episodes here. No doubt. There. Um, because it was essentially, as far as I can make out, the only podcast that was uh, reviewing podcasts. Right. And as someone who makes podcasts, of course, I listened to that. Yeah. For a brief while, we were. It's, it's, it was an interesting... So the whole thing definitely started when I got on radio. So I had um, the radio station I used to work for, WMUC, FM, 88.1, College Park, Maryland, um, was streaming audio online as early as I want to say 2002 which would make it fairly early. Not the earliest, but pretty early in the game. And then general manager Anton Krop realized it would be quite easy to simply rip the stream 
and have downloadable MP3s that people could just come to later. Right. So if you can't listen live, you could listen to it whenever. Yeah. I mean, people listening to this, you'll be thinking, well, I'm very familiar with this concept. I've literally downloaded this podcast. And, yeah. And I know what a podcast is, but back then, that was them inventing it. Yeah. Wheels seem really obvious, yeah. but someone invented them. Right. You know? No one, yeah, the, the term podcasting didn't exist until 2004. Uh, the iPod was pretty, was it 2001? Like, yeah. like, the concept of downloading an audio file and listening to it on demand when you want. We didn't even have, even the term on demand stems from television when we all started getting DVRs in like the late aughts, which is a byproduct of high definition television. So this like, it was a radical concept at the time. Now it's old hat, absolutely. But at the time, I saw it and thought, because I started in 2004, so two years later, I thought, well, this seems like a great opportunity to market in a different way, because my show was called The Lone Star State, and it was all music from Texas. That's it. It was the only genre didn't matter, nothing else mattered. You just had to have a relationship with Texas. The artist was from Texas, or they wrote songs about Texas, whatever. It was just a novel concept I came up with to distinguish myself from the rest of the applicants, and it right, worked. Right. <laughs> for right, some right. reason, it worked. So for folks in Texas to listen to a show which was a drive time, I had the, the, the 4 to 6 p.m. slot, so I was hitting the 4 to 6, 4 to 6 or 6 to 8, doesn't matter. People coming home from work were listening to me live on the FM, or if they were still at work or they just got home from work, they could listen to it online, stream it. But if you live in Texas, that was at least an hour behind, and obviously you can't pick it up on the FM. And at the time, you couldn't stream audio to the internet. You know, we didn't have 3G data. So they could download last week's episode and listen to it when they felt like it. And I really went at bloggers. This is when blogging was huge. I went at bloggers and I advertised to them to download my show. And they actually did. I broke the stream, the downloads, on like one or two occasions. And for much of the run of my show, I was the most downloaded, which doesn't mean I was the most listened to, because we're talking about five, six hundred downloads or whatever of the show every week. But that was leaps and bounds more than anyone else who was getting like 30 or 40 downloads a week. And again, whether or not other people were being listened to over FM, probably. But uh, it struck me as, oh, this is actually a great thing that's not that difficult to market if you think about it the right way or if you have an audience in particular and it worked out really well for me I went down to Texas a couple times and every time I showed up that the bands were so appreciative of somebody outside of their local environment spinning their records on an FM station like this meant something (laughs) you know back back uh, 10-15 years ago they put on shows for me or like, hey, come to the recording studio. We're doing this new album, and like, we want to show you some of the demos we're working on. Get your thoughts. It was great. It was a great experience. And then, weird story. You're familiar, perhaps, with the band Hanson. Yeah. Right? For those of you who don't remember, the Oombop song, those guys. So, after they did Oombop, they like got banged around in production hell for a few years. 
because the the studio they were with or the label they were with was like you know are they one hit wonder like are we, are we hearing the song that we think is going to be the second mbop and and they had all these troubles and so they went independent like they broke their contract and they went independent they made a documentary about their first independent record as a part of the promotion for the record which brought them to our radio station and we got to hang out we spent a day with Hanson I wasn't doing the interview, it wasn't my show, but I was working with uh, the guy, Jason Schlafstein, still a good friend of mine, we did radio together, and now he has a, a great theater company in D.C., Flying V, if you guys want to check it out, plug for him. Um, he was doing the interview, and so I was, you know, of course, Hanson's coming, I, I, this is like, we know, this is a legend, so let, let's, I want to make sure I'm in the room. And they ended up liking us for some reason, we, we just appealed to them, I think because we were college-aged guys and we were doing this free-form radio. It was different than the music industry as they understood it. Like, yeah. it wasn't going into the morning show at, at this other shitty radio stations right. that were owned by Clear Channel or something. It's a free-form station. So they liked us and they, like, we just spent all day with them. We helped them set up the the show. Our friend Ryan played tambourine with them on the stage. We went backstage for when they were screening their movie and then we took them out for drinks afterward. And myself and Taylor Hansen talked about this exact phenomenon of the podcast. Because he was trying to think of how, as an independent artist, he's going to sell himself and his music in this space, in the digital space, which was not shaken out in right. 2005 when this was happening. Right, right, right. This shit is not sorted like it is now. There's no Spotify, which is problematic in a lot of ways. And even, I mean, we had just settled on, we'd just gotten rid of Napster. And, like, iTunes was just setting things at 99p per song and stuff right. like that. People were all on MySpace yeah. trying to get people to listen, but it didn't mean they equaled any money. Right. I was one of those people, I think, possibly, so, possibly a bit later. Yeah, he and I just were having a drink, chatting about what do we do? How do we sell ourselves? And I was saying, I think it's the same thing with radio, that I don't know that it's sustainable in the model that it's in. And that's when I, that conversation is when I sort of went, maybe I should just keep doing this for as long as I can. Let's use the, the radio station's resources until such a time as that is no longer sustainable, which was 2009. Um, and, and then I'll just do it on my own. Which is where, uh, and then I left the station in 2009, partially because I also had a full time job and I was getting a master's degree at the same time. Right. And it was sort of a podcasting is a, a, a lifestyle choice. It's all, yeah. it's all, it's all the time. It's it's your life. Yeah. It eats you. Uh, if anyone's thinking of making one, yeah, be aware of that. And and, <laughs> and the radio station had like you had to do this much content right. per week at these times, right, which right. just. You know, the good news of podcasting is if it's yours alone, you can build flexibility into it. You can try. You can try. You you determine what you want to get out of it, so you determine what you put into yeah. it. Yeah. It's a very crucial part of it. And so there's... Certainly, making radio is uh, much more challenging than making yeah. podcasts. Exactly. And so for six months, I didn't have anything. And I was listening. Because I had gotten a new job as an art in the National Archives... And for those of you who don't know what it's like to be a technician in the archives, this is you know this entry level job. Right. Uh, you well, I will no joke. You'll spend sometimes six weeks at a clip, forty hours a week removing staples. That's like a job. 
Because yep. the metal in the stables rusts, it damages paper, so you got to yep. get that shit out of there. As someone who's worked in the library service, <laughs> I can say I've done a little bit of that kind of thing, but the beautiful thing about being a library assistant is you get, you know, a couple of hours of that within a rotor system. Right. Uh, whereas you're in the archives all the time. All the time. I never wanted those jobs. No. I always didn't uh, yeah. apply for those ones. Absolutely. It, it was, and, and you know, there... I don't want to complain about that job because it was sure. actually beautiful and it set me up with a lot of great opportunities. And I learned so much that I use now. And you're but, a historian, so you're working with what you need to exactly. be Exactly, yeah. And it, it opened up a lot of doors because right. just even saying that you worked at the National Archives and Records Administration, right. that's the, you know, in the United States, that's number one. That's that's the top of the tier. So to get into it requires a certain amount of talent. Anyway. Right, right. I assure you, one cannot get that job anymore based on the education I had in 2009 when I got it. So I'm listening to 40 hours a week, at least, of podcasts, which, you know, depending on the shows, some of them are like 12 minutes and some of them are two hours. It shook out to be about 50 different shows. And I'm listening to all of them and trying to find new ones because I can't really like that one. You know, I, like, I blew through the Ricky Gervais Right. Back catalog and you know in no time. In at all. those days, it was a very different world. Now you can't sneeze without walking into a new excellent podcast. Exactly. But then it was like so hard to find a podcast, let yeah. alone a good podcast. Right. And it led me, luckily, to you know uh, answer me this fantastic show. And Helen Zaltzman uh, has been uh, extremely helpful in. When I moved to this country, she actually helped me find a flat right. and figure out like a mobile phone plan and like all this shit because she's a beautiful human being and thank God uh, she's doing well after a recent scare in the hospital. Uh, but uh, indeed, it was a lot of it was just hard to find. You know, you, you would find an answer me this, and then you would find a like. I mean, I don't even couldn't even remember because I wouldn't listen to them after the first couple episodes. But you would find a lot of shitty white dudes talking about stuff that nobody cares about and doing it poorly at that. And so I thought, well, where are there's no one is is curating this content. There's no show out there that's telling you. I listen to this show. This is what it sounds like. This is my thoughts on it. This is why I think it's good or bad. Maybe throw in a clip or two. Uh, and then you could go to one place and at least find... And there was a, it was very ambitious at first. There was going to be a whole blog feature where you, you know, where you could get transcriptions of the reviews and that and all these other things. But that's where Podcast Squared came from. And it came together in about two months of just... I could do it. I know how to curate things. That's, I was a radio DJ and how to curate music I work in the archives and how to curate records the right. world is just take the same lessons from that and apply it to, and apply it to this thing and um, it did as well as I probably could have hoped uh, for it to do really the intention at first was to be that resource for reviews but what happened probably within easily within the first six months is that the best part was that I integrated interviews with podcasters about their shows. And that was the fun part, was going out and finding these podcasters and being like, hey, you want to come on my show and talk about your podcast? And this is 2010. Right. 
Now of everybody, course. everybody wants to do that now. Yeah, exactly. But at the time, everyone was like, oh my God, you want to interview me about my podcast? Right. Yes, of course I will come on. Yeah. And got, you know, got some, some strangely big guests, like uh, had um, Adam... Uh, I don't know Adam Carolla Whew. Oh jeez Of course Adam yeah. Carolla yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah. do know about him Right I was like oh, My brain completely blanked on him Of course I know yeah. Adam Carolla um, Yeah And that's when he was going on About having the Guinness World Record For most downloads And so like Pulled that And that was like yeah, Oh I mean, what he had a whole get? podcast Empire Yeah Which now You know You're not gonna get whoever, I don't know, a Joe Rogan to just come on any old podcast, because I'm sure he gets 8 million requests right. to do the, right, the, right, a podcast right. every day. But at the time, again, it, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a thing. And just pulling in all these really interesting... I mean, uh, I've been going through some of the old, some of the old interviews to clean them up and maybe bundle it and put it out, and I'm just sort of like... Oh, I had Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Gordon on my show, oh, wow. who were just nominated for an Oscar yeah, for I used Best to, Screenplay. I used to listen to that podcast <laughs> that, that they would have been talking about. Um, yeah, exactly, but that was way before any of this stuff happened. Yeah, he wasn't even on Silicon Valley right, yet. Right, like, right. This, is, this is when no one knew yeah, who yeah, the absolutely. hell they were, and here I have this great interview where they're... Where you can see it, by the way, you can hear just the the back and forth in that conversation between yeah. the two of them. Like, of course, they would be able to write an amazing screenplay that right. gets turned into a film that gets um, nominated. For I mean, the about themselves. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they only yeah. have to capture that lightning that they've already got. Exactly. It was. It's so great. Uh, I'm trying to think what were the other like really huge ones, but like oh, like literally a week before Welcome to Night Vale became. The new hotness right. when Welcome to Night Vale. We, we had I had the dude from the guy from Welcome to Night Vale, wow. and he's sort of uh, and he's sort of talking about. It seems like things are really. He's like, I might be able to quit my job and do this podcast, <laughs> and then wow, that's you, a great moment to capture. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely, it was such a fascinating time, and I did it for. So it ran from 2010 to 2014, right. 300 because it was a weekly then it was twice weekly right. and then it was weekly again and then it was every other week yeah <laughs> as often happens with podcasts they, they change their schedule but we were doing all kinds of stuff um, I had co-hosts eventually and guest reviewers and all kinds of crazy stuff but the problem that happened with it was by the end when it shifted from twice weekly back to weekly then to every other week was that just having the same conversation over and over again it felt like so we would do these episodes that would be about the news what's going what's happening in the podcasting world and we would just say the same shit over and over again like is next year the year that podcasts blow up and you're like which is great by the way because it means we miss serial by about six months Whoa! <laughs> yeah, we were we were saying I don't know what's going to happen next year, and then like serial because you know for for listeners who aren't up to scratch on the kind of history of podcasting, serial is when things did change. It when did. There was new conversations to be had, and there still are as yeah. a result of that. Now those conversations aren't necessarily happening, um, and when they are happening, they're not necessarily happening in. The ways that make me excited about the future of podcasting, right. but it's definitely things change. And yeah. a show like what you were doing, that's when that became potentially both 
important and interesting to make, but right. also potentially interesting for audiences. Like, yes, that's yeah. The, that's it the, is, it's amazing. It is amazing. I mean, uh, but I was done with it. I would not. I don't think I would have enjoyed continuing forward. Like right. in in the in the in, uh, highly unlikely, but entirely possible. Like suddenly, podcast square blows up because it is providing this sort of unique resource and we actually we did see an increase in numbers in downloads after Serial came out of people trying right. but, but they of course I so, yeah. they quickly realized that it was a dead thing right. and that, that they weren't this wasn't going to be an avenue for them but um, you know given the right SEO and the right marketing push one could have taken advantage of that zeitgeist to because of course Serial is a very limited series and right. everyone finished Serial going what do I listen to next? next? And a bunch of people tried to fill a void with true crime and blah, blah, blah. All those sorts of you things. Know, some of those things worked. and But I mean, now, you know, podcasting is such a, a different thing yeah. to then. Uh, I mean, we're talking only f- like four years later. Yeah. But it, it has changed markedly in the last few years. I mean, it hasn't changed financially for me. Um, I don't think it's changed financially for the... For almost anyone. It's changed socially for yes. me. If I'm at a party and I say I'm a podcaster, people know what that is. Oh, man. I mean, not every party. Don't get me wrong. Right. I mean, it's still more niche than some things, but it's it's a thing, and it's a thing that has been covered in popular culture that yeah. isn't podcasts as well. Like, all over the place, that's already been established. And, you know, Komodo Mayo is like a massive thing yeah. it's like a that in itself even though it's so unlike anything on the BBC in some yeah. ways it's completely um, yeah very strange programme but because of that people know what know what it is that know? knowledge that by the way has dramatically increased the amount of derision that surrounds sure. the term it is so if you I imagine a certain amount of time if you say you're a podcaster Someone is rolling their eyes at you. That's Some, true. Someone is being That's like, "Oh, going, you yeah. have a podcast," and you, and which is funny because you're you're not saying, "I have a podcast." You're saying, "I am a podcaster," and of course, you've been doing it for right years at the seven at least. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing it since twenty oh six, two thousand and six. I think right. over a, I over up, a decade. I was up against Helen announcing me this for a Sony Radio Awards. Um, I think it was two thousand six. It might be a little bit after that. I. I made my first on my own podcast in 2009, 2010. Yeah. That was rubbish. It was terrible. Thank God it's gone. I literally have deleted it from the internet the other day. Um, but yeah, Gay Bear Acquaintance died 2011. Yeah. And people, like, somebody said to me a while back, but I use it all the time because it's so ridiculous to me that it's a good kind of thing to, to say. Um, but they called me the grandfather of podcasting, which is. You know, you don't like being called a grandfather at my age anyway, but, but at the same time, it's not true. Like, right. I wasn't there at the beginning. No. I was way late, um, although way late isn't that late. No. And I was there earlier than most people in this kind of new wave yeah. of podcasting. I mean, technically, you, I was there you, in 2004, and I still don't think I'm there at the beginning. Yeah, I exactly. Still, I was going to say, you're more of a grandparent than me, but still but not. Even, but I would yeah. say, but because it, because we weren't even calling it a podcast, it was a radio yeah. station that had You have to get in before, element. yeah, if, if, you, if you started making a podcast when the word podcast existed, you didn't start early right. enough to, start to earn that yeah. kind of title. And there are all these great guys who were floating around in 02 or 03 when it, when it was, when the, when... Who were doing? Uh, I forget what even they called it at the time, but 
before even real simple syndication, the RSS, right. which powers which is podcasting. In some ways, you could yeah. argue. I mean, I think it it's the easiest way to distinguish. You know, I think the ter- I mean the term has gone through so many iterations and definitions and redefinitions. Yep. I think now it's audio. Yep. You would never call a video a podcast. Now no. we used to, um, but that's be- because of YouTube. That became such a distinct space. Um, and then it would be audio, and it would be delivered in an on-demand capacity, but it would be. I mean, it would be talk or it would be storytelling. Like, you would never think of a... I don't know. Do people even do... Well, music music, music. podcasts were, were a difficult thing to have. They did exist, and they yeah. still do exist a bit on Mixcloud or whatever because right. they've got a different license. Yeah, that's but, why, yeah. But you can't you can't use copyrighted material. So there are... The, the, the podcasts that I would class as, like, music, like... That have come from music. There's a couple of musicals. Now. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of podcast musicals. I think there should be like I look forward to hearing more of those. But they come from having to write the music yourself right. in order to use it. So you and you've got a couple of people like Martin uh, Zoltaswick yeah. who, who used to um, put out a new tune on a podcast and do a little introduction and put a yeah. new tune out, and that's a way that musicians can get music out to people. But it's definitely never hit. It's not the, in the same way. I think probably the biggest one would be Song Exploder, but its whole function is to it has the artist on, right? And it it's, talks it's, about it, it. Yeah, it's an established artist. Well, I only listen to the Mountain to, Goats or yeah. Song by Song. There's a yeah. lot of things about music, yeah, but there's nothing that's like a let's hear the new hits, right? Exactly. That, that doesn't like, really happen. Not like radio. I mean, I guess there's like there's like Who charted, which is like there's a few things that talk about the charts, oh, yeah, and the music charts. I did listen to that for a, quite a few years, I, more years than I care to. I also listened to it for admit. a few years, and I I dusted it off because now it has a new co-host, Natasha Legero, has right. replaced Kulap Velisak, uh, and it it seems to have a little bit more of that. It got a little, it got a little boost. Like the steam came back into the machine. Whereas, yeah, there was a while there where, yeah, I, I listened to it every week and then just. But that show was a bit like worked a little bit the, like how Komodo Mayo work. I think it's yeah. like a, a, a show that gets its own vocabulary. Yeah. That's officially about talking about the charts, right. but is in fact about talking about. Uh, an ever more inaccessible apart from if you're a listener then you love it yeah. uh, vocabulary um, and so I enjoyed that about it and that's one of the things I think podcasts can capture it can capture kind of the vibrancy of, of friendships that was part of what I liked about Who Charted which is which is you know which, which is not to say that I fully endorse it in lots of ways there's yeah. things I could critique if I was right. so inclined but it seems like an unnecessary target at this point that was what was so <laughs> impossible by the way about podcast in 2010 was when I started Podcast Squared so many of the shows which were good in terms of they had a flow and they they weren't it wasn't awkward people first turning on you know getting a right. snowball mic right, right. and like not knowing how to do anything right were so established by that point that they were you know like I reviewed um Jordan Jesse Go, episode one of Podcast Squared. I reviewed Jordan Jesse Go, and I shit all over it. I hated it because 
I didn't know what the hell they were talking about because I had never listened to the show before. So if I come in as a new guy yeah. and I did what I, you know, I listened to five episodes, which was what I would do, was listen to five episodes, randomly selected. And the idea being, if I, as a new listener, cannot randomly listen to five episodes and understand what's going on, I'm going to give your show a bad review because I think that that's the point. That was the point for me at the right. time. Which we, we I can when see why you came to those conclusions, but there is yeah. also very big counter arguments around. Oh yeah, I, I mean, I absolutely don't think I would run that show anywhere near the way that I used to. But that was my thinking at the time. But it was if you weren't into their vocabulary already, you had no idea what was going on right. for much of it, as opposed to a newer show at that time, which had been totally lame. Uh, right, I listened sim- to that in mm-hmm. the day. A similar well. format, but it was brand new, and they were sort of trying to figure things out. Um, and they did, I think they did well for a long It's back, actually. They, Is it? They, oh, they yeah, resurrected yeah, they've got children now, and it's yeah. uh, about the children. Or no, no, they resurrected the original oh, right. show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's exactly <laughs> the same in so many ways. But uh, that one sort of got... It was an interesting thing at that time, because... All the people who were trying something new didn't know what they were doing. That's why Serial is so was so like a megaton explosion because the people who made that show knew how to make that show, but it was brand new. It had the advantage of being able to establish everything. And you'll notice, though, that it has not carried that success forward in yeah, any way, true. shape, or form. That's true. But also, it, it was serial. Uh, like, the, the, the clue is in the name. Right. I mean, and, and, and S-Town did this even more by releasing the entire series in one. Yeah, binge it. <laughs> yeah, which I think, you know, in some kinds of... One of the ways that podcast is going is into that. Is, yeah. You know, when I'm... Like, in terms of drama, like, making a podcast drama like I do, like, one of the things you're, you're capitalising on is the similarity between... Uh, Netflix and podcasts that you can you, know, you can tell a story that if people start from the beginning then they just carry on all of it right. and you don't have to explain it in each episode yeah. um, although if you don't explain it in each episode you do know that if someone like they could easily do with my right. show comes in they listen to one of the ones now they're not going to understand what the hell that means if they don't go back to number yeah. one it's up to them they might they might choose to but they might just go no 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 that's alienated and I think I mean that has a lot to do also with I mean if you're doing an audio drama or a series yeah it's genre based yeah isn't it? genre so based different. but it, it reminds me of you know uh, the CW does all those uh, does the DC comic book shows at sure. the opening of every episode of every one of those shows Tells you the, the hero world. explains you know right. I'm the Flash I'm the fastest man Supergirl alive I got into an accident man. this happened boom 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 and we start the episode right that's Be- true you can't watch Supergirl without knowing who Supergirl yeah. is after the first I, mean, I love Supergirl yeah. the show but uh, yeah it does do that every time yeah. whereas Marvel doesn't give a shit it's like you come in on Luke Cage season 2 you know because it's on Netflix though yeah. it's not on TV but if you came in it's because of the medium it's, yeah, exactly. they are different mediums exactly. and uh, yeah I mean Netflix and other uh, providers of streamable on demand full seasons it is a different genre yeah. and it may be even a different medium um, than, than, than great shows like like Buffy or whatever or yeah. Six Feet Under or like loads of the, or Deadwood or even The Wire were made for weekly TV right. yeah Buffy the Vampire Slayer also does that for the first like two seasons right, right. is Giles saying 
the Slayer and all of these. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even think about it. Boy, that show is ahead of its time. But it's interesting because now I'm thinking about that as I plot my own, do I want to do a podcast again or not? Right. I'm in a, I'm in a space now where the question is, well, I'm going to have the time, obviously. But my, my thinking is, if I were to do one, I would much rather produce ten episodes get those 10 episodes done. Right. And either dump it all at once, or 10 weeks in a row, boom, 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 right. it comes out and then it sits there and it says it is a series, it's a season, right. it's a season Right, season's a, a now a thing in yeah. podcasting, and I think that's really great. It's great. I mean, it, it gives people more choices. If you want to listen, I mean, just like TV, if you want to listen or watch episodic content, it's there. If you want a reality show, effectively, like, it's there. And if you want fiction, drama, it's there, depending on yeah. what you're looking for. And it makes it sustainable and achievable, uh, seasonal kind of yeah. approach uh, to podcasting, because it means that you can, first of all, you can take more time right. over it, and you can make it good. Because obviously, if, if you do a show like mine, which is weekly, I'm not yeah. saying this episode isn't good, but if you do an episode this weekly, like I have to make decisions. I don't edit really, really tight. Like yeah. I do edit but I edit once. Like, I, I, I can kind of think of it almost like a guerrilla process. Like, I will have missed some stuff. Yeah. I won't have missed the worst stuff. So that's fine. Um, and then, you know, to get it out every week, that's the, that's the compromise you make. If I wanted to make something that wasn't weekly, and I do make things that aren't weekly, then I want them to be of a higher quality and yeah. higher standard. And I think audiences can understand that. Like, mm-hmm. as a listener, I'm happy to listen yeah. to loose podcasts when I want to listen to a loose podcast. Yeah. Sometimes, that's my preference because I don't want something I have to listen really intently to because I haven't got the mental space or the time or I'm listening while doing something else and my mind's going to have to be in two separate places in a way yeah. that I can't deal with. So, you know, that's when I do like to listen to, to yeah, just some people that I'm familiar with chatting um, or, or a show like this, which yeah. is about a new person, but I don't have to listen too much, like Beautiful Anonymous, is, I love to listen to in that way, or like I occasionally listen to WTF again yeah. now. Like I had a little time away from WTF. The issue with it, though, is that, of course, the compensating people for what they create hasn't caught up to <laughs> no, yeah, that's in true. the medium. And so if you package 10 episodes of something, monetizing that is so much different than a weekly show like this. Like, like, First of all, it is amazing that we can have seasons now because the rule used to be if you ever took a week off, right. your listenership dropped. I mean, and I, I don't take weeks off, like, and I've still had like drops yeah. in different times of listenership. If you were going on vacation, baby, you better put a couple yeah. of episodes ready, right? Like, put them in the queue. Right. You're going to do like double work in the build up to your vacation. Right, right. That's been my life. Yeah. But, but if you package, I mean, if you package a 10 episode thing, there's just a different. It's just a different funding model that goes into it. Neither show is necessarily more or less work. Depends. It just happens in different places. It happens in different places in where the work goes. And so, you know, how we ensure that people are being fairly compensated is very different. Whereas in TV, you know, there are guilds or unions and and systems in place in which you know money is fronted yeah. to ensure everyone's fairly compensated and then that studio effectively is taking a risk yeah. on whether or not they're going to catch a return 
when it goes to broadcast, you know, and, and those are all calculated decisions that Warner Brothers can yeah. make or Fox can make that there is no equivalent, you know. Um, what's it called? Gimlet. Gimlet kind of can do that, but we've seen what happens when they take the risk and the risk doesn't pay off, right. and that's Mystery Show. is a very clear example right. of they took a risk on funding that content uh, and it and did didn't not work, work yeah. out and in the and the aftermath was damaging to both the company and to the person producing the show in the way that the fallout was handled it yeah. didn't go well for anybody involved. no that's true but then it's an interesting time like I think for me this brilliant moment which has been brilliant it's created amazing content like I'm so pleased that the, the the great shows that have benefited from this moment have benefited from it but I think it's the beginning of the death of yeah. podcasts as we know it right. it's not that they won't continue it, it's definitely a new medium it's becoming an even more codified definite uh, medium but as that happens the possibilities that I saw for certain kinds of podcasting or, or certain ways that podcasting could work like outside of capitalism right. for a start like I, I don't know if compensating people is always the right way to think about it like sometimes it is though I mean I, I want to be compensated for yeah. work but I also want strange people to make strange shows that don't right. have any audience and it doesn't matter like but that can't happen yeah. as the the size of it gets bigger, the money gets bigger, advertising becomes part of what shapes this medium. Right. Like people make content in certain ways to be able to advertise. An increase in inserting adverts that aren't read by the host oh, yeah. is happening. And, and advertisers Which, apparently When they tried that. that five years ago, I want to say... It went over like a like a as we would say yeah. in the states a wet fart. But it now there's a not, bigger amount of people, and, and, so it's and, there's, and, and they're used to you know people coming to podcasting now are very used to traditional media, and so when you stick a Pepsi ad in front of you know a, a, the four or seven hours of adverts you get before a movie yeah. nowadays at right. the cinema, Jesus Christ, how this country is worse at that than the United it's States? So long. How it's there so are absurdly I can't. Long. I mean. You show you can show up twenty minutes late to a movie yeah. in the states, and and you will have missed trailers for other movies. Right. You show up twenty minutes late here, and you've missed Volkswagen. Yeah, like you've missed fucking nothing. No, that's I, right. I because I, I was getting to the, sorry, this is, a, this is a sidetrack, but I was getting to the movies when I first came here on time or five minutes early because that's what I'm so used to doing in the states. But now, if you book your seat. Never. Why would you ever yeah. want to show up on time? You're like, that is a terror. Yeah. Get this is a good tip for any, anybody that wasn't aware of this coming to the UK. That's definitely true. I don't know how that matches up with other countries. It might be that the, the US has got as bad, but you've not been there. Yeah, um, so, and yeah. I think it's because we have a tradition of having the movie trailer. There are adverts, and there's yeah. more and more of them. But they're usually like before the movie time starts. Yeah. When the movie time that they list starts is... There'll be some adverts, then there'll be trailers for other right. movies, which will still take a long time. But I, trailers are fun. Like, I'm, oh, what's the new movie coming out? Because I'm the movies. But like, in terms of adverts, like with I think advertisers when they look at what podcasting is now, they go, oh great, because we used to just bung loads of adverts into TV, yeah, and that used to get everybody, and loads of people used to complain and about adverts, but we still threw it at them, and they still had to watch them, mm-hmm. and they they couldn't stop themselves from watching them. We had them over a barrel now they don't now they watch it binging yep. they watch it on Netflix they 
they don't have adverts. I can't watch TV with adverts now because I've had too much of experience without adverts. It's so weird. Whereas podcasts, yeah, there'll be loads of people who complain, but they don't care about the people who complain. They care about the people who buy more stuff as a result right. of the oversaturation of their right. adverts. And they also know that podcasters won't do host reads for the new book by, uh, like, what's his name? Uh, Patterson, the, the terrible oh lobster, my, yeah, lobster guy. Uh, yeah. And he's on every podcast at the moment. Is that like, the Hill Clinton book or whatever? No, or? It's, 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 what's his name? He's, some, some I can't remember his first name. B. Patterson. He's the one who's like men's rights uh, in a new. Oh God, yes. Oh, or is it maybe it's Peterson? I keep maybe I think it's Peterson. Patterson. Patterson, Patterson is is is, the, yeah. is another one though. I that do is this with, with 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 words that are very similar um, in yeah. my mind. Anyway, I, for example, I confuse autumn and August all the time, which is very <laughs> confusing for people I'm talking to. <laughs> But, it's too hot and on But what? he is, he is, he is, he is like um, loads of adverts for his new book. Yeah. Um, in in people's shows where they definitely would not have uh, rubber stamped him, no. but because of the way it works now, it kind of inserts. How much of it is algorithm based? Where right. and we we what know part of the world you're in. And we, stuff, we know yeah. what happens with that because we've seen YouTube. I mean, the good news is that the online streaming video space jumped ahead of podcasting just a couple of years earlier because it blew up in 2011 to 2013. That's when we started to see... That's when YouTube started to become what is the YouTube now. Yeah. In which personalities were attached to videos and it became about this um, micro-celebrity authenticity that's manufactured and all that stuff really hit. And, like, I don't know why. I haven't done the research into it. 2011 is that... Right, that's what happened. Launching point. That's their serial moment. And we see what happens when you use algorithms to place ads and to make that. It destroys the content creator. It bankrupts them. And it generates an incredibly toxic conversation space. To talk about adpocalypse is impossible for even the most level-headed people because it's so person. It feels so personal the attack even though the attack is in is the opposite of personal it's it's literally a robot right <laughs> is is looking for completely and so for those of you who don't know what happened is a few years ago i guess it's only 2 years ago so 2 years ago a youtuber by the name of PewDiePie who was in the year 2015 the most viewed person yeah right which is insane but he's a guy who plays video games online don't worry about who he is don't, he's racist very like, much yeah do not like <laughs> yeah. Don't look attention him to him in any way. He does not yeah. deserve it. Yeah, so he had a huge... I mean, just huge. We're talking about, like, 20, 30 million people viewing on the regular. Like, Eurovision numbers is what this guy was getting on YouTube. And he said some crazy shit, and he turns out to be a potential sympathizer with white supremacy. Yeah. And advertisers became very aware all of a sudden that their content was not just on his video on his videos but on a lot of channels being shared in the same space as white supremacists and in a couple I think it was Pepsi I want to say their their ad came up in front of like an Al Qaeda recruitment video you know like or ISIS excuse me recruitment video uh, and so yes. there came to YouTube and they go, ah, wait a minute our shit is being put up you know, our wholesome family brand is being put up with content that is violent and misogynistic and right. pro-drugs and these other things. We need you to fix it. And YouTube's solution was to build a robot, an algorithm, that would just scan through all this content 
and then if keywords popped up, it would just block ads on it. Yeah. It would just quote unquote demonetize the video. Right. Um, which meant that if you were say Dr. Aaron Carroll, who is a uh, perfectly nice guy who's a pediatrician in Indiana, and he does videos called Healthcare Triage, where he tries to just tell you, here's what's going on in the news about healthcare, and here's an update on Medicare, and here's some right. advice on, like, blah, blah, blah. Well, the word drugs pops up a lot in his videos because right. he's talking about prescription. Well, also, there's drugs. other issues. Like, I know a lot of trans people who are, have, have been Correct. like, I'm, I'm, I'm just making my YouTube videos yes. about myself. Yes. I'm not, like... And I'm having my monetization taken away, and because I am trans, and right? That's it. And then there's someone over there who's a literal Nazi who is still not being spotted by the algorithm, right. and so they're still making money. It, of... It's hitting things in the wrong way. Yeah. Instead of instead of well, first of all, it's bananas that the people who are placing the ads are not doing anything to to make sure that their ads are going to the places they want them to go. Right. And putting it on YouTube to do that isn't wrong. YouTube should definitely be policing it, but it's not... This isn't working. It's doing no one any favors. Right. But then YouTube, that is like one platform that is definitely the market. Like yeah. they've, they've cornered it. Yeah, yes. there's Vimeo. There's a few other places. But it's YouTube. But it's YouTube is where videos happen. I guess it's kind of the equivalent in podcasting is iTunes, but it's not quite because it doesn't quite work the yeah, same God, way. That's as close as you can really get. And, uh, and there's, there's certainly there's no unified overall thing. The thing is, it ends up... Because people on the right and people on the left and people who are trans, and people who are MRAs, and people who are... I mean, if you take a step back and survey the response to this, everyone is saying, I'm being victimized by this. Right. And they all are being victimized by it, it's just, which is funny to think about it. But it, 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 the thing is, is, you know, of course, the trans person is being trans, their victimization is a little bit different than the racist guy is being racist. Right, absolutely. Those two things, <laughs> Those are, things are, are not equivalent. But it is not doing anyone any favors. But then, like when it when it hits with podcasting, and I still think that there's like that's the thing. This we're, probably, we're still a little ways off on it, it, but it will. The medium is kind of coalescing. It's becoming more professionalized in lots of different ways. Money's involved in it. I am publishing a book through Unbound. Unbound are a publishing company, which means that they don't publish things that they don't think are good and that they edit. The thing that makes them different from other publishing companies is they're half publishing company and half crowdfunding company, which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books pre-order those books. They can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback, or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering. Unbound approached me in December to see if I wanted to adapt my show What About the Men? Mansplaining Masculinity into a book and I said yes please I definitely would like to do that and so that is what I'm doing if you go to the Unbound website and there'll be a link to this in the show notes you can find Mansplaining Masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book the way that this book is going to get made is by people like you pre-ordering it and pledging to it and people like you telling other people about it, sharing it on social media, recommending it to other people, those kinds of things. You can find out what the book is fully about 
by reading about it on the page. There's a video of me in a purple dress and fedora with my childhood toy dolphin telling you about what the book is about. But basically, Mansplaining Masculinity is about looking into myself and looking out at culture and thinking about how masculinity is constructed and created and how systematic elements contribute both to the ways that men are hurt by society but also the ways that men hurt other people in society. It is not a book that says that men are the problem but it is a book that will say that we can be part of the solution. And if you want to get an idea of what it's like before you pledge to it, you can listen to a podcast of the show that it's adapted from on the website mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. And also there was an episode of BBC Radio 4's Forethought called Liberating Men, which was a reflection on an extension of the show. So... Listen to those shows, see if you like what you hear, and if you do, then please do support and pledge to make mansplaining masculinity happen. We've had the first Me Too uh, moment in terms of podcasting with Chris Hardwick. Oh my God, did that actually shake out? Well, people haven't kind of come out and like actually uh, condemned him, particularly in the podcast communities, but they should have done. Uh, and the comedian his, communities his former done. company did yeah that right. was I mean bravo to Nerdist yeah. they came out and like wiping clean yeah here. I was pleased with the way that yeah. Nerdist handled it I was pleased with the way that loads of people handled yeah. it of course there's loads of outliers some yeah. people you know whatever but I would say that in general it's not been uh, given the same spotlight that that some other much you know much more like mainstream mediums have I guess because people in less mainstream mediums are more scared about potentially getting to the top in different ways like they don't want to like poison their opportunity but that's the problem once people start thinking like that that's not what podcasting is supposed to be for me I don't think that's what podcasting is supposed to be about it's supposed to be about supporting each other like holding people accountable if they're they're bad that's 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 human doesn't matter if you're in the arts or not like you have to do that like it's an identical (laughs) statement though to saying to a woman like no you have to be topless for this photo shoot that's do you want a career you know, like that, that I'm going to not talk about it because I need to think about my career logic is what creates the Absolutely. toxic environment in Absolutely. the first place. And I don't know if that's why people aren't talking about it or not. I don't know if it's because it just, the news hasn't hit people or how it works for people. It, it was pretty it was, well known. It was, it was interesting because it was it well will, known, but, you know, but he's not Harvey Weinstein. He's not Louis C.K. Right. Chris Harvey is big but he's like big in a sector yeah and it's also specific as well as like there is a common theme with the men who absolutely get called out in within the me too moment is that they have multiple 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 people who are accusing them yeah that makes it very kind of like cut and dry much more clear for people um so that's part of it i think it's like when you can't you can't argue that what somebody did isn't 
could, right. could be seen different ways. And I'm not saying it should be seen in a different way. I, I, I actually, you know, I, I believe uh, Chris, Chris Hard, Hardwick's accuser, and I don't see why it would be even a question in anyone's mind. It came at a time, though, in which the backlash against Me Too had gained in quite a lot of volume. Yeah, I mean, it comes and it goes, that yeah. backlash. Yeah, like, yeah. People like to, I, I think it's always, it's always there. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's always there, but I feel like we had had so many high-profile cases. It's just, it's, it sounds terrible to say, but there was a certain almost Me Too fatigue when this hit. Well, it's going to be fatiguing. Of course it's going to be fatiguing. Because it's going to be but lots this, of but people. I, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be one in five women, uh, I believe, would be roughly the statistic at this point, right? One in five, right. one in three. Well, I think statistics are very questionable around uh, these things course. anyway, because you only have people who report, et cetera, et cetera. So far more than you would automatically think. Yeah. Far more than you would assume if someone pointed to you and said, how many women that you know have been raped? Yeah. <laughs> it's more than the number yeah. that's going to come out of your mouth. I house. know so many, and not just women, I know so many people who've been raped, and so that's the thing, that the culture is a rape culture. Right, and of course the other thing is, what Chloe Dykstra, who is the accuser, because she's been very public about this accusation, so I do feel comfortable yeah, saying her name. name her. She... Uh, she described, I mean, to me, horrifying. It was harrowing. Yeah. to read that whole thing everything that happened yeah, yeah. but it wasn't the it for Harvey Weinstein which is the beginning of the but it is a vi- quid pro quo sexual assault exactly quid pro quo sexual assault is something that we've been taught for many decades is a bad thing. Well, there's a more complicated conversation that we have to yeah. have. It's about the fact that it's about changing a cultural attitude. Right. It's, it's about the fact that many people have questionable, non-consensual elements right. to their past. Like, not just men. Like, women have to look at it too, but it is statistically more likely that men yeah. will have been dodgy. Although, that's the thing. It's like... There's so many permutations and combinations of human beings and human experiences that actually, like, there are the not easy uh, people like uh, Harvey Weinstein or, or Bill Cosby, where it's right. like, like you can categorically say that right. that's kind of an almost inhuman level of uh, like not thinking about other human beings as human beings. Right. But there's other things that are more like momentary or whatever, or like sometimes come from different, uh, like the the action is motivated by different things than a predator's motivation. It doesn't matter. The effect is the same. Right. The result is the same. How many people read that? Well, first of all, I wonder how many people actually read what she wrote. How many people read this account and saw something they had done, right? Like Within being it. very jealous about her hanging out with sure. other men, uh, versus how many people have drugged women like Bill Cosby, right? And exactly. So, so it's sort of a thing I mean, where it's, it's, it becomes very easy to go like, all right, fuck you, Bill Cosby. But like, oh well, is that? Eh? Well, it's similar with the Aziz Ansari kind yes. of thing, which I think isn't as like I do think that. That, well, that one's the most... Yeah, I think that he needs to be called out for it, but yes. I think that that's fine, and I think he has been, but I, I also think, think he that... he also knew he needed to be called out for it, and I think he kind of... He, his, rea- his, his response wasn't... Should have been more... Maybe, I don't know, I'm judging the man now, but he... he 
I think even when his in his response, he was sort of like, shit, was that... Was that fucked up? If it was fucked up, and, and he had... I think in his response, it felt more like maybe he at least learned a lesson. Whereas Hardwick rolls out in his response and goes, well, I didn't rape her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He definitely and you're just like, what? That's, you addressed, like... Right. One thing, and you just denied it, and then went so far as to accuse her of cheating, which was sort of like... A, right, that was some deeply, ooh. deeply suspicious stuff, and I think everyone should absolutely be very suspicious of Chris Hardwick, but that's yeah. the other thing. It's okay. Like, it doesn't destroy him for people to be suspicious of him. No. Like, it's it's better to be suspicious of somebody and to be proven wrong or whatever. Right. Like, we've got... People have got to change. People have got to become accountable. They've got to look at their past. We all maybe have to collectively understand that that if we are going to have everybody admit to their pasts, yeah. there has to be a kind of way of moving forwards uh, where we kind of have some form of of I don't want to say forgiveness, but like some kind of understanding that we're moving forward together we're going to be collectively trying to change what culture is to us there has to be a a systemic healing as well as interpersonal healings which are all important like it's so common and the thing is there has to be the key word is there has to be a systemic healing and shifting I have a friend who was expressing his concern over you know, he's very much like, you know, he says, I want to believe everyone, and I definitely have made the mistake of not doing it in the past, and it turned out I was wrong, and they were, I should have believed them, and he's right. gone through this whole thing, and he carries a certain amount of fear because there was this one time he did this thing, and he recognized after the fact that it was bad, and it has gotten him a reputation in a certain circle because he did a bad thing and realized he did a bad thing. Uh, and he's and it puts him in a position where he's like, I'm worried that in our rush to believe, we should be believing more, but we shouldn't believe. You know, he's like, we should be believing as much that there has to be there has to be an order to it. And I said to him, No, you have to accept a certain amount of collateral damage. Yeah, I think that's it's plain and simple. Absolutely reasonable. The amount of collateral damage that will come out of this, the amount of quote unquote innocent men who's livelihoods will be threatened as a result of me too is a lesser evil than the amount of women who have suffered and will continue to suffer if Absolutely. it does not if we don't go through this so like you know I in, think that's in, right I and mean, we're not talking about collateral damage that's like people being given the death penalty right that's the thing someone losing their livelihood doesn't really mean losing their livelihood when we're talking about a famous actor not being able to get gigs right. they can work in McDonald's yeah like like it, there are like yeah. other options yeah uh, and, if, and if it is a Chris Hardwick he's fine he's already got the money he had yeah, he right. sold Nerdist for like 27 million dollars dude's yeah. fine if he never works again as an actor or a presenter I'm sorry you don't get to do the thing you want to do, but actually I'm not sorry. Yeah. Maybe you shouldn't not be an asshole. asshole. You don't have an automatic right to yeah. that. So if people see a reason not to give you money, yeah. then that's reasonable for them to stop giving you money. It's not like, like that's, the, that's the thing with all of these people. It's like nobody was, like Woody Allen wasn't like born with the right to make multi multi billion dollar movies which yeah. people across the whole globe go to like that wasn't something that's not a, a fundamental human right if you're saying like uh, don't give Woody Allen food and water and make right. him starve then fine you or, can argue I, I would argue that you shouldn't uh, starve pedophiles to death which is of course 
not me claiming that Woody Allen's a paedophile. That's just, uh, that's next allegedly. Next allegedly. Well, that's the thing. I'm not. I'm yeah. Uh, yeah I'm talking about paedophiles in general. Yeah. Uh, Woody Allen, who is an alleged paedophile, can uh, can also not be starved right. to death as well. No one should be starved to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Honestly. I know. I mean, I'm not someone who believes in capital punishment me, on any level. So the thi- I mean, the thing that is, is people are always saying things like, "Well, like, what happened to being innocent before proven guilty?" And I'm like, "This is not a court of law. That yeah, that's right. is a right in the court." of all, no one is being denied their freedom. No one right. in this situation, even if they deserve to be, is being imprisoned. Yeah. We're talking about access to a privilege, which is the career that they have worked in and want to do more, but have done bad things in order to further that career, right. that privilege gets wiped away. And it's away. the power that they have yeah. to do the things that they do. It's a, it's a, it, In some ways it is a workplace issue, so it's a, perfectly correct for them to be fired because they are using a position of power generally in whatever way to have power over other people's employment. That's just a thing. And I would love to live in a world in which they would go through due process with the potential of prison and then we can have an innocent until proven guilty if that structure existed. But again, getting back to the system, the justice system does not reflect the severity of these types of assaults, which are, in this case, sexual assaults, sexual harassment, and emotional assault and harassment. We have no legal framework. Well, we have some, but we have a very poor legal framework for for psychic damage. That's true. We don't treat it the same as physical well, damage. I mean, that's the interesting thing. I'm against, like, prisons. I'm yeah. against, like, I'm for restorative justice. So, like, in my world, like, I wouldn't even be sending rapists to prison. Right. However, like, no rapists, hardly any rapists who right. do that crime are getting sent to prison. Unless they are serial rapists who are very right. sloppy. Right, right, right. And, and, and it's the same with, like, the false uh, accusation uh, element of of this whole area which you know it's a small tiny percentage but it's a true thing like yeah. when people say it happens they're, they're right it does like I'm not I'm not gaslighting them it's real but it's people who get those false accusations are normally black people or they're queer people or they're you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it, that, there's yeah. other elements right. generally that, or they're working class people there's other elements that are embedded the, within those false accusations this, which are also about exploitation yeah. and power and pain and all of these things. But the same people who yell the loudest about false accusations I feel like are the same people who say shit like well there were good Nazis right. and you're like well that misses the point. Well it's very much... Being a, a part of the, the, the it's the systemic it's the bigger yeah. issue individual I mean and this is part of I mean what's, what is a problem air quotes I guess a problem with being human yeah. is it because it's very, 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 very easy to focus in on these individual anecdotal situations than it does to take a step back and look at how this fits into larger structures than those individual cases. Like it's all of the people who who can put their com- who's confirmation bias and who can make correlations. You know, we're having this issue right now in in coal country in the United States where. Uh, the day Trump got elected, coal hit its highest price. Not they elected, inaugurated. It hit its highest price it had been in 15 years. 
not because Donald Trump was inaugurated, but because a giant hurricane had knocked out all of Australia's offshore coal extraction. And so simple supply and demand. The supply went down, the demand remained the same, therefore the price went up. Right. Like, uh, But they see, you know, they're now like hardcore going to vote for Trump again because... The price of coal went up. Yeah. I can say they're seeing the correlate. So it's the same. It's these same problems that I don't know if there is a way to overcome them. Well, people but. use statistics really badly generally, anyway, and it's also a really complicated moment. Like one of the other kinds of people who talk, who speak up in these moments are, uh, are men who want to talk about men who are victims of sexual violence. Right. And I, as a man who has been a victim of sexual violence, yeah. who advocates for men of sexual who've been, experienced it. One of the things I notice about those people is they never speak about it at any other time apart from when a woman right. is talking about their right. experience. And when they do talk about it, they're not really advocating for help for men. Right. They're generally saying, be quiet about that yeah. because this happens to there's us. There's not a single... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a single, but there's no one out there who's advocating for helping women who are victims or survivors, rather, of sexual violence, who doesn't then also want to help men who are survivors of sexual violence. It is a... I mean, this is always the argument they make against feminism, right? Right. Oh, they want women's rights. Like, no, they want everyone's rights, but it turns out in this situation, the bigger issue that they can tackle right now is the women's rights issue. Although I think that it's just this... Ultimately, I think it's this complex thing of... uh, it being so embedded in everybody's kind of cultural experience, this thing, that there are so many... Like, I see rape culture in the way that uh, transphobic feminists yeah. uh, behave. I see it in football hooligans. I see it in... Like, like lack of consent isn't just related to sex, it's related to so many aspects of our, of our world. And so it's absolutely true that as much as there are those... Um, people who need to be held to account like Bill Cosby, like uh, any of these people that we've been talking about. Um, We're also, like, we've got to accept that many of us are survivors and perpetrators. Right. Like, in whatever way, in small ways and big ways. Like, I am part of rape culture as well as someone who's been raped. I cannot cannot say that there will be not women who feel that I have been part of the problem, Um, but I have also experienced the problem from the other side as well. Like, both, both of those things are true. And so... It is a complex conversation that we need to have about like Me Too, and I think it's great. I think we are having yeah. it. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm quite pretending. negative about most things. Like, I'm negative about the future of podcasting, but I'm actually generally... There's not anything that's happened with Me Too where I'm not like, that's important conversations that people need to be having. I would say... Realisations that people need to be having. Very optimistic about where the conversation is headed. Not at all optimistic about how the state... It's reacting. Right, right. You know, one of the things, one of the things that has changed since a year ago, and we can probably end up wrapping up on this. Yeah, we do need to wrap up. My status here in the UK as an immigrant has changed to a more permanent one, Um, and part of the motivation for that is that there are now laws going into effect in parts of the United States in which I'm no longer going to be a legal person because two out of five of my last sexual partners were men right and three out of five were women and that's enough 
to condemn me in parts of the United States. And the recent Supreme Court appointment, should the Senate pass it, which by all accounts the Senate will approve, will back that up when the case makes its way into the courts. So I think it's Louisiana or Indiana, pick your favorite red state in the middle of the country, is looking to make it, make not just gay marriage illegal, but make it legal to not serve people yeah, and to discriminate actively, to actively, yeah, actively discriminate, discriminate against, against LGBTQA, I, plus, whatever you want to put in. I'm glad we add A in, by the way, because I think we were mean to to the asexuals for a long time but yeah I think A's need to be definitely A's added need to be included in the list but anyway those <laughs> laws are passing against our people queer people and it's going to make its way up the courts because of course someone's going to challenge it it's crazy it's discrimination but with the 5-4 split in the courts now those state laws are going to be justifiable under a particular interpretation of the 10th Amendment versus the 14th Amendment, and I literally don't know if in five years I will be able to go home. Yeah. And in five years, I will be a citizen of the United Kingdom. <laughs> well, I... Assuming hope, everything shakes out yeah, that I way, hope right? the UK lives up to the, the yeah. job there, because we're, you know, all heading towards the same we're kinds all, of points. We're heading in the same direction. It's definitely... At a new level in the states. Sure, I'm not claiming yeah. that it's not. I think. I mean, I don't know. It's. It, we'll see how. It sh- obviously, we'll see how it shakes out. But, like, I said to my boss, who offered me this this job that comes with this new visa, and it's like, it's basically an asylum visa at this point. Like, I'm seeking asylum in the United right, Kingdom, right. Uh, which is just a ludicrous place for us to be at in right. 2018. So that's a great it note is. to end on. And that is a great the pessimism. I mean, the last thing I ask everybody is, do you have anything to plug? God, I don't at the moment. I will, but I don't know when. It really, like I was saying, jumping back into the podcast foray, the question I have for myself is, do I do a nonfiction, academic, thoughtful, serial yeah. podcast, serialized podcast, with some of the people that I know and work with? on a regular basis yeah. that would be really interesting and we could add our unique voice to I'd listen to that right or do I do this thing that I've already kind of started on I mean you can go to my website which is andrewdjohnstone.com which is easy to remember in which at some point in time in the future there will be podcast episodes that I've already made but haven't quite finished right that are all about uh, each episode has to do something novel and so one episode is uh, about history. I'm talking to another history podcaster, and it goes backwards. It starts at the end of the conversation. It goes oh, and cool. then it okay. moves backwards. And so, so I say every, formally. So everything is different. The point of it is, it's like it's all it's an art experiment more than it is a podcast. We'll see how well I can keep up with that. Yeah. And if I even get the episodes that I recorded now three and four months ago <laughs> together into something. Yeah, well, it might. I mean, I'm probably not going to put this out for a little bit of time because I'm going to probably. So, yeah, check in the Andrew so D. Johnson. So if nothing else, my CD is up there. You can look yeah. at what I, what the 
conferences I'm organizing. Well, this, I mean, it's been brilliant getting better acquainted with you again. I mean, again, it's been a long uh, conversation. I may, I may edit it down. I may even put it into two parts. Who knows? Do it. The excitement, the exciting possibilities that podcasts give me. Yeah. Um, so thanks again for, for spending some time with me. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I ask my guests uh, to do is to say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, audience. I love you. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Our conversation around Me Too is something that I decided to leave in. We may very well change our opinions, and that's what people do. We change and evolve our opinions. It chimes with a lot of things I've been thinking about recently around sexual assault, the situation that we are all in where we have to try and reverse rape culture, which we hopefully can at least all agree is surrounding us. I mean, how can we argue that it isn't? Although I don't deny that many, many people deny the existence of rape culture. So it fits in with a lot of things that I've been writing about recently. And I am considering publishing a piece on Medium around this topic. In fact, I may very well have published it already. And if I have, then there'll be a link to that in the show notes. It was tempting to cut that part of the conversation. It's already a very long conversation and it wouldn't have had to be a two-parter at all if I'd have done that. But I didn't want to do that because I think we're both talking in good faith. We're talking about subjects as respectfully as we can and we are not challenging the experiences of women and other survivors and whilst I don't think that people will always want to hear two men talking about those subjects and that is absolutely fair enough I think it's also important to say that men do need to talk about those topics absolutely we need to talk about those topics in regards to how do we stop men from abusing people And we also need to talk about those subjects in terms of how do we protect men from experiencing rape and sexual assault and harassment as well. Which is not to say that men and women are the only people. There are non-binary people. There are a whole range of genders and people that are experiencing rape culture. And we all need to talk about it. And we need to talk about it to each other. We need to talk about it across those groups. And we need to like tease out what exactly our culture is telling us about consent and about gender and about all of the other things that are bound up in what brings us to the situation that we're in. And also, it shouldn't need to be said, but it maybe needs to be said too. I'm not suggesting this is a new situation. We maybe are talking about it more. We maybe have hashtags to challenge it more. But it's not a new situation. And this conversation was also recorded before all of the stuff that's been going on in America with Kavanaugh recently. So that's why we don't refer to that. It's also why I'm aware that people may be kind of fed up of of men and of men talking about these issues at this moment in time. Hopefully we don't do it in the way that many people in the media have been doing. We do try to talk about it sensitively and with an awareness of our place within the conversation. If you're interested in hearing about masculinity and what patriarchy does to men and to all people, if you go to the Unbound website, and there'll be a link to this in the show notes, you can find Mansplaining Masculinity over there and pre-order a copy of that book. Unbound is a kind of cross between a publishing company and a crowdfunding company, which means that the way that the books get published is that people who want to read the books 
pre-order those books. They can pre-order them as a digital copy or as a hardback, or they can pledge more money to get different kinds of things along with the book that they're pre-ordering. You can find all of that stuff over on mansplainingmasculinity.co.uk. If you're interested in reading about me and my dad and our relationship and dementia and memory and time and history and politics and love and friendship check out my essay series down to a sunless sea memories of my dad as well as making getting better acquainted i also co-produce and i guess star in the magical realist audio drama podcast the family tree in order to keep making it and to make it as good as we want it to be we need your help so if you can afford to then please do consider signing up to our patreon appeal you can find getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can find it on facebook at getting better acquainted and you can find it anywhere that podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet and if you want to email me personally that's gba podcast at gmail.com or i'm Goosefat101 on Twitter. And remember, there are lots of ways to get better acquainted.